Welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast. This is episode 16, and for this week's episode, we're joined by former Antrim and current St. Gaul's goalkeeper, Chris Kerr. In the episode, we get into the mental struggle Chris endured after the death of his father, the physical battle he is still in the process of overcoming, and the work Chris is now undertaking in raising awareness around mental health. So let's get to the episode. Yes, everyone, and welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast. This is episode 16, and we're absolutely delighted to have with us today Chris Kerr, the man himself. Chris, how, how's things? Welcome, yes. big man. Yes, thank you, lads. Um, I all good. Um, thanks for having us. Looking forward to this. Great Long time coming. Yeah, and as I said, absolutely delighted to have you on. Um, so just for just for people that because you are building up quite a quite a, a good profile um, these days in lots of different areas. So for people that maybe aren't, you know, explicitly aware of who you are or what you do have going on, could you just give like a brief sort of summary of some of the things you've done or what you're currently doing? Yeah, well, I suppose probably better known for um, Stanton Slabbering and Nets for some goals over the years. <laughs> um, and then a bit with Antrim, obviously, as well. But um, sure. still playing away, obviously. Um, well, not currently, obviously, just on the back of a couple of big injuries, but um, yeah, still playing away with club. Um, uh, work for NIE, and then obviously for the last couple of years, I've been quite public or vocal or whatever way you want to put it about um, trying to raise awareness around sort of positive mental health, um, in particular for you know targeted basically for males. Yeah, and you've been doing some some sterling work, um, as a lot of us have. A lot of us have seen so i think on that mental side then it's quite ironic because you came through quite a you know a big sort of mental battle or whatever um so it's quite ironic almost that the battle you're facing now is on the physical side so <laughs> what is the background then you've had two sort of acl injuries is that right yeah um so it's on the done the acl um done the first one last july um then got Done, done the first op in September last year and then um, done the rehab, um, recovered really well, was back playing well well enough, I thought, for the club anyway. Um, and if anything, lockdown actually worked out in my favour. It gave me an extra couple of months to sort of hone yes. in on the, the rehab and just keep hammering it. And um, just, uh, you know, the day sort of, day before my, my 34th birthday there in August, I um, just slipped the training and it, it re-ruptured. So um, I think this time around, it was just it was just sickening because I knew how much effort I put in to, to getting back and to try and get back to that sort of level that I, you know, well, I always felt that I set for myself. Um, and, you know, it was probably playing as well as I'd ever played just, just before actually both, both injuries. So um, disappointing just um, second time around. But I think it was... You know, it hit harder a wee bit this time around just because, you know, I know how much effort or much work there is lies ahead. But I think after yeah. a couple of weeks, it sort of, you know, I was already in. It's just sort of refocused and, you know, 
um, just have to get back at it. And well, you know, fifteenth of June is the nine, nine month mark uh, in twenty twenty one. So that's usually the that's that's where my, my head's at. I well, that's where you go. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, I'm hopefully good to go here. Yeah. So you're well on, sort of. You're definitely thinking of of a comeback. Obviously, then you're on that trail. Well, I well, I mean, it's like I'm completely obsessed or addicted to the game. Um, I love playing. I, you know, everything around playing. You know, that's playing's the easy part. It's it's the stuff away from the pitch and all is probably the hardest and the biggest drain for people. But mm. um, I love playing. Um, and you know, it's you're a long time retired. So I'll see how I get on with this rehab. And if I hit the markers <coughs> each time, then well, here uh, it'll be some on. story. Obviously, being through what you've been through, it'll be some story to come back with some goals and maybe get the. The likes of an intermediate final or <laughs> intermediate final. Ah. Intermediate final. No, I, only, I only deal in, in senior finals, but uh, uh that's rich. actually it's actually the six her six years today from our last one one, which is which is a bit surreal actually. Um send it out considering considering how dominant we were for you know fifteen years. Um but yeah, that's that's the aim. We'll get back and then maybe make the Antrim over forties team or something, or the Masters team or something. <laughs> the Masters getting a little trip to Australia or something. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. Look, Chris, uh, celebrity the chance to welcome you on here. Um, someone who I've only really got to know over the last few months. I know you and Ashin have known each other for however long through being part of the Antrim panel and being up that neck of the woods. I think you're probably the only man who's left Belfast and moved to Armagh. Usually everyone's flocking up to the big city. So yeah, welcome right. to town. I know you only live around the corner from me, from me now. Um, <laughs> Thanks. And um, as I said there, as a fellow goalkeeper himself, someone who I have a lot of respect for, just to give a bit of context, you know, I know you've touched on it already. You were part of St. Gaul's team that was winning championships back-to-back. Um, and I know you were part of the Antrim squad for many years. So obviously you used to play at a very high level. Um, and I know you're also dealing with a, a second recurring terrible knee injury there. But what was it like, I suppose, going from being part of an, an invincible team, if, if you call that, uh, you know, winning year in, year out, game in, game out, to then, you know, all of a sudden a wee slip, a wee trip, and you're, you're very, you're almost made of glass, the knee goes. Was it, was it a big transition going from the top to then having to go down and build your way back up twice? Yeah, um, I suppose it was. It was like, you know, it's only now when you think back, what we were doing wasn't wasn't normal. Like, you know, it wasn't. You know, I think we lost one championship game in in fifteen years. Um, you know, seventy plus championship matches, which is it's, it's crazy stuff. Like, and that's you hear people going, "Ah, it's by fluke," or you know, that's it's easy to have good players. But I always thought that was a you know disrespectful to the to the team and that group of players because you know, nobody worked harder than us and we just happened to be able to match the talent with the hard work and obviously it, it, it paid off for a long time. But I think just it's, you know, I, I always thought, you know, just my position, I would never be sort of in that position to do your cruciate. You know, you hear of like people running at high speeds or, you know, getting big collisions out the pitch, but it was, it was look both. A, look at big, look at big Van Dijk. Like Virgil. Well, that's what happens. I mean, and you know, in both cases, it was both best players in each team. You know, myself and Virgil. So it was. um, (laughs) (laughs) I was joking, but uh, the backbone of both teams. But uh, no, it was more probably thinking what was Pickford's tackle that like. You know, it was probably 
Uh, you didn't get done like that, did you? No, I've sort of wised up a bit. I was more, I was more of a vocal than um, physical. The, the physical <laughs> trying to save somebody to do like more of a. Yeah. I was more of a bam decent tackle there, like so it was. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it doesn't. It's 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 hard. Just I, I'm just not a good spectator. I hate watching. You know, and you're you're always thinking wee things like last year. We're very lucky that you know after years of trying to get rid of him. Ronan Gallagher was able to come back and, and, and play in goals and um, you know I was always thinking just we think God I'd have done this or, or that and you know it was just you know in a way thankfully the season season ended the way it did um, and then I was able just to, you know I was able to come back and I was training alongside the boys before lockdown just you know alongside the pits and joined in the odd wee bits here and there yeah. um, and then obviously lockdown happened and it gave me probably Maybe an extra two months of, of just rehabbing myself, like which which is yeah. good, like yeah. You someone who likes to stay in the camp and go to trains, even though we can't take part, or do you like to stay away and do your gym work sort of out of sight? Like it's a it's a hard one. Like I mean, you want to be in the round all the boys too, like but then you're just like you're you're standing there not being able to do the things you normally can do. Um, probably from their point of view, they're probably glad just to get a respite from from the voice, like but um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's tough. It's a tough injury to watch. Like it's not like you know you have a wee wee hamstring tweak or something where you're standing there for maybe you miss a session or two. You know you know you're gone for you know you're basically gone for twelve months. So yeah. um, it's just you know last year Sean Kelly was player managing and you know got me involved. You know as in helping out along the lane with him and, and different things at training. So um, it was good still to be a part of it in, in some way, shape, or form. And as I said, my biggest assets probably my my lungs and my, my voice box like so uh, <laughs> I was able to put it a decent enough use I think. <laughs> Call it. Call it. Yeah, no doubt. Have you found out yourself Ashley? No, you've come back from injuries over the last few years we plagued best. Have you found like mental resilience? Obviously of course the answer to that yes, but I'm sure you should both of that in common, you know, constantly come back <clears> rehabbing and, and then having the I have back. but uh, and I do feel resilient mentally like but you do feel like a spare part and you go up to training, you can't turn around and say to the lads, oh, I'm standing on the sideline, but I'm, I'm really mentally resilient. Do you know? Yeah, it's tough, like, it's tough. You yeah. just, although you, you can interact and all and and you can get involved in bits and pieces, it's just just not the same. It's hard looking at boys in the eyes whenever they're the ones on the front line, you know, doing the work and you're standing there. Although you are doing your rehab and stuff, it's, it is tough, like, but... Um, Hopefully that's in the rear view for me and, and obviously for you too, Car. Like, I uh, know you had a good club championship. I was obviously doing a cool commentary a lot with Jerome, like so. Seen a couple of them and he's wrong lucky. And probably the game against Lamberg, you know, it's just yeah. kicking the ball, like, and you know, you just see as are upcoming. And um, seen I've I've seen a ma- massive improvement in you from you have come back up from. You know when you get promoted a few years ago, and you can see step by step, like, and it's just sometimes it's yeah. just being. You just have to. Sometimes you have to lose them games to get there again and go right. Okay, where we're we're this closest time. You know, as opposed yeah. to previous <clears> years, I think they made a they made a beat use heavily the other year. I think heavily two thousand heavily two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the the difference are in you, like so. Um, yeah. Just just keeping at it, like so. But it's the injuries are are tough. Like I mean, suppose my. Would help me probably the you know obviously both times around in, in terms of obviously um 
you know, my my biggest thing probably over the last couple of years in terms of mental health was on the back of, you know, losing my dad. And obviously it's different, obviously, to being injured, but it was still a form of loss that I was dealing mm-hmm. with in terms of, you know, all, from my from no way to all I've known is sport and playing, um, whether it's Gaelic soccer hurling. Um, but obviously the last load of years just so like playing for a club, playing for Antrim. You know, you're you're training five, six nights a week. You're you're organizing your life around it. You're having to knock back, going on stags, you know, friends, you know, maybe all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's a form of loss. So I suppose I had that sort of experience, so to speak, and I knew it was never going to be any worse than that. So I was always sort of said to myself and had those conversations was that, um, you know, I've been through worse things and get over it and I've got back and um, I'll do it again. 100%. Um... Just it's almost like a it's almost like a loss of part of your identity because whenever you get up in the morning you're you were you know Chris Kerr the Antrim goalkeeper Chris Kerr mm-hmm. the goalkeeper yeah. and as you said five six nights a week devoted to to being a goalkeeper so suddenly yeah. when you're not in the nets you're like it is a large portion of your identity yeah you go from training five six five or six nights a week to doing this rehab where you're nearly you're nearly training twice a day to get a head start at it you know you're half yeah. you know last year especially when i was back at work and stuff and um you're probably you know you're up at half five and then getting a session done before work and then you know trying to do something later that night as well so um i think it's just sticking at it and it's just having the right mindset you know always wanting to get back and that sort yeah. of rehab you can't you can't mess about with it like you you know if you don't do it right you're going to get found out but then but, which was the, dis- the disappointing thing for me was I did do it right and it still went. So yeah, um, it's it's a tough one. You wouldn't you wouldn't wish it on anyone. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So you did just touch on it there, the the mental side of things or the mental sort of battle that you did go through after the <laughs> loss of your father. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that the event that that you know that began your mental battling. Yeah, it was it was sort of like I mean anyone that's ever dealt or had yeah I never knew anyone before really that had cancer so like I wasn't you you, know, you don't know what they expect um, it's nothing you plan for or if, you know thank God if this happens I can I can go about it this way it's just sort of day by day um, you know he was a he was a massive smoker and I always thought he was going to be one of these people that you know maybe lived he was about eighties but always smoked one of these you know, freak stories, but, um, you know, it all happened really quickly, to be fair. Um, it was July 2012, 3rd of July 2012, he was diagnosed. Um, it was the week of um, <clears throat> the game where we played Galway in Casement and ended up beating them. That um, that was the week I found out. So um, it's probably one of, one of the better games and performances I ever had for Antrim as well. Um, and then it's slowly, you know, you're in the house, you're seeing, like all of us here, like, you know, all of us, anyone in general, everyone's first hero is their dad. So I was no different. Like, and I think just seeing your first hero sort of in life, um, you know, you can't do anything. You're helpless. You know, they're receiving the med- medical care from, you know, the, the doctors and nurses and stuff, but you're seeing them having good days, bad days and reacting well, the treatment reacting not so well. And then eventually in February, 2013, he passed away um and that was like my sort of 
it's weird. Uh, initially, it was like, you know, I always thought, God, my man, dad, dad, it's going to be a disaster. But it's sort of nice in a way that so many people came to the house, um, you know, speaking about him, um, you know, good stories. And it was nearly, it's nearly a nice touch. The problem is, is then when not the door shuts and it's just you behind, you know, you're just left on your own then where, you know, it was just us, me, my mum, my sister. Um, and I just felt that the best thing for me was to throw myself back into it. I had in my head, silly, that I'm now the only man in the house. I have to put on this image that I'm all right with it. You know, I'm coping well. Um, I played a match for Antrim two days later against Fermanagh in Casement in the National League match. Probably in hindsight, it was just pure adrenaline. Like, just wanted to play. Um, we ended up drawing um, through the game, but... Like concentration was all over the place and like it, it's not even the odd sort of like drama to it or like I literally can't and I, I am a stickler like I would remember every detail of the match like you know near forensically but the only thing I got I got a tooth knocked out in the match um so concentration wise I wasn't at it um was working a temporary job at the time and went back to work maybe a week later so I was mm. just threw myself back in was still training and stuff with Antrim. Uh, Frank Dawson was the manager at the time, and to be fair to him, he was he was brilliant with us. Like, it was, and I never did miss training. Like, he, but he always said, "Look, if you need to, if you need to step out here or anything, it's it's no bother." And um, you know, even Kevin Murray, your current manager, was part of the selection, or part of the backroom team at the time too. So him and Cahill Murray and stuff were were very good with us. Um, and then just this time and on, the more and more, you know, it was just getting on top of us. I think just kicking it to myself. Um, you know, I was coming in from work, just maybe lying in bed. And and you've you've been on the unfortunate side of knowing what I'm I'm like in a change room machine of being loud mm-hmm. and in the middle of the crack and um, yeah. behind closed doors, just even was going home and just lying in bed and you know just basically in tears most nights um, after work. Um, the days I had training. You know, Sharon lifts the training with, with clubmates and like literally waiting to the last minute before getting up and going and then you get in the car and you're like, yeah, what's crack? And I was able to disguise it well. Um, and then it just sort of came to head. I was just, it was just getting worse and worse. And I was probably making mountains out of molehills in terms of, um, I think, you know, I was probably thinking like all my mates are getting married, they're uh, having kids, um, uh, moving into houses, all that stuff, and I was probably going like I'm still in the house with my mum. This has happened. Lost my dad. Being really harsh on myself, myself talked to myself was really was really poor. Was overcritical about everything, and yeah. you know, coming from matches, um, say working temporary jobs. So the only thing sort of consistent or sort of secure was playing football. Um, that was a good escape from it all, and um, I think it just it. I was able to escape for an hour or two, you know, going to training or playing a match. And then it was when I came back on my own where it was the problem, you know, laying wide awake at night, getting maybe an hour or two sleep, going to work, and that's just repeated. And just your thoughts just become, my thoughts were just becoming worse and worse. And I just got this stage where I was like, basically, I don't, I either don't want to be here or I'm going to have to do something about it. And thankfully, obviously, I didn't do anything to myself. Um, and I did go and get help and, you know, came out the other side of it really well. That is <clears throat> but, uh, thanks for sharing that, Chris. That was um, a big ordeal like you went through. Um, so we appreciate you sharing that with us. 
was even it was even things like I mean it's funny like even last week that's the memory that comes back is like um, probably one of the worst times I was feeling was it was the last game in Casement and all the obviously Casement got to go ahead last week or whatever it may be and um, we played Monaghan on the on that pitch and I'm or on that pitch and on on that sort of week in uh, 2013. 2013. Um, and I remember just standing in the net, just going. Like, I just need to get off this pitch. I, mean, I think at times there was probably, like, tears in my eyes and stuff. And then I was going, it's only when I look back and go, like, like there was 20-plus thousand people there. Great day, playing Ulster Championship. Um, it's one of those things. We were very unlucky, actually, that day as well against Monaghan. I think they went on to win the Ulster Championship from Division 3. And I think they beat us by three points um, that day. So we weren't too far away. But it was just things that got, were adding up. And then I just thought... You know, it came to a head sort of on the back of maybe going out on, went out after the match and yeah. then a bit of a Monday club. And I was just like, you know, I need to do something about this or I'm going to end up doing something to myself because I was thinking of things like your overwhelming thoughts or like, how can I make driving? How can I make it look like an accident that I've crashed? Or how can I trip and fall out in front of traffic or in the, you know, in the lagging where we were drinking on the Monday club? Um Jesus. Stuff like that, that was becoming the overwhelming, overwhelming thought. And I just felt that, you know, I, I need to do something about it. And, and thankfully I did and, and got in contact with the GPA at the time. Class, that's, that's a very par- powerful story there, Chris. Um, and I think it's something, you know, grief is something that we all as humans can share and, and those emotions, you know, losing a parent. Um, uh, and it, it's, it's really good to hear that, you've, that, you know, your final message there was, you know, you get out the other side and you, you can look back at it now. But... Suppose you know even if someone listened to this, because um, we all have those thoughts, we all have those days where you know you know you often hear you know the biggest loudest guy in the change room could often be the guy who's hiding the most most at home, and you kind of touched on that already. Was it was it almost difficult as well having to be you know big current that um having the crack in change room and um, bear in the square you know keepers all out yeah. there and then having to go home and, and deal with something that's so yeah. so emotionally fragile. <clears throat> Yeah, it's weird. Like grief's like a like there's different stages of grief, and like you know, there's, you would have been through stages where you were really upset. Like anything would have been like you know, any wee thing you'd have had tears in your eyes, and then there would have been phases where it was just complete and utter anger. Then it was just guilt. It was just you know, it was just like a like a roller coaster of them all, really. And um, I think then I, I was really good at sort of making a mountains out of molehills, as I said earlier. You know really irrational thinking, you know, comparing myself to others, um, all this here and in the grand scheme of things. Not that nobody cares, but they don't really they don't really think of like, you know No one's judging. I uh, no one's judging. Do you know what I mean? So and that was the thing. I was I was letting all this and I was thinking that all this was happening when really it wasn't. And uh, yeah. that was that was part of the battle. Um I think um my in terms of just continuing on like myself Johnny, it was nearly like it was nearly easier just to be, you know, be like I normally would have been. I wasn't, I wasn't completely like you know, but I, I was able, I was good at deflecting and and getting away from it, um, easily. Um, you know, I was able. I just felt that if I continue on the way I normally am, no one will ever, no one will ask questions, and it was just more hassle. I, I then had in my head also is that I didn't want to be a burden on them. I didn't want them thinking, he's not right here playing, or he's not this, and or, you know, we need to take it easy on him. I didn't want to be treated any differently um, to anyone else um, in the team as well, and especially just, 
you know, some of my best mates are my, my club mates too, like, you know, uh, Sean Burks, uh, Mickey Pollock, CJs, um, you know, these people, like, it wasn't like they weren't caring or they didn't, I just didn't want to have those conversations with these boys, you know, Terry O'Neill's of this world too, like, you know, really approachable people. Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to have these conversations. I just wanted to, to get on like things were normal. Did you feel like if you were to say to one of those fellas that you would be sort of making a concession or? Probably, you know, at that time, probably. But I think when yeah. I look back, you know, it, it would have been the opposite. You know, when I, when I went public with it all, they were like, like, why, like, why didn't you say to me? Like, that was the overwhelming thing. The overwhelming thing was, why didn't you come and say to me? And you'd be the last person you'd ever think of just because, of, you know, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> just the personality I got off my ma. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, so that was the overwhelming thing. It's only when you sort of think, reflect and look back that people, people would have, and they all have said it, like, Nearly them all have said, you know, why didn't you say? And just didn't. So was was saying then talking about it, Chris? Was that the trigger, the turning point, getting it off your chest? Or can yeah. you think of something then? You know, I know you did a lot of work in that field now. If you wanted to sort of like progress and like how that developed then into your own sort of uh, forte. Yeah. yeah, I think um, the initial time, you know, I rang the GPA number, um, and initially I said for somebody that really loves the sound of their own voice, I struggled to, to, you know, to speak to them. I kept ringing and hanging up, ringing and hanging up, and then eventually just let the guy speak back. Um, and then just told him. And I think just saying it out loud to a stranger um, was a massive relief. And then two days later, the GPA, they were, they organized a, you know, the attend counseling then. Um, went and seen a counselor, same sort of thing, was turning up, was like thinking of all the ideas in the world, how not to go to it. Um, or go in and when I did probably spoke about football I'd say for about 58 minutes of the the hour session <laughs> and then just threw in at the end just look wasn't feeling great about my dad and this is this is where I am and and then basically ran out as fast as I could to get away but driving home just the relief saying it out to someone um, attended sort of counseling for a year or so um, this was in between obviously juggling between trying to Still play for or still playing for St. Gauls, you know. Maybe had a national league match on the Sunday, but was attending counseling sessions on the Saturday um, before these games and stuff. Um, and then I tried medication because I said my sleep was up the left. I was nearly like I was nearly like a vampire, like you know, I was I was wide awake at night and really drowsy and you know wrecked during the day. Um, so it's um, that was tried medication. It didn't really help me. But I know people that it's worked brilliantly for. Um, and then I got real, real relief out of uh, CBT counseling. It was cognitive behavioral therapy. And it was more about being rational with your thinking, um, you know, your own self-care, your own self-talk to yourself, which is more important. Um, That's a know, pun. Just, self-care. 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 That's <laughs> self a good one, actually. Um, I think just... Uh, um, just being rational, like, you know, just because you have a bad 20 minutes in work or in university or whatever it may be, or doesn't mean you had a bad day. It's a bad 20 minutes. You've 23 other hours in a day to, to put it right and, and make it a good day, you know? So I think the likes of that, and I think just leading on, Johnny, what you were saying about 
now. So like probably it was just over probably two and a half years ago now that I went public with it. I kept a journal throughout the whole thing. And then I just thought, you know what, being from West Belfast, uh, um, suicide rates in especially West and North Belfast was is rocketing. Um, still is, you know, there's spikes all the time. And it's obviously all across um, the North as well and across Ireland as a whole. Um, I just felt that if I could put out what I had went through, that um, if someone could get something from it, and that was maybe their kick to go, do you know what, he's went and done something, he's went and got help, and, you know, he's come out the other side of it, um, then why can't I? And, you know, that was always just the thinking, if you could help one person along the way, and that was the, the you know, the sort of the thing that they needed to maybe go and speak to a friend, family, or in, in worst case scenarios, you know, GPs, counsellors, or, or mental health professionals. Sometimes that's all, all it takes is someone just to, like a shoulder or an ear to listen, isn't it really? You know, it's sometimes it's overcomplicated and I think what you've done is fantastic with sort of, you know, being that uh, voice of reason or that, um, you know, you know, platform for people just to speak as you probably find out yourself and you lifted that phone for the first time. If, if you can list the phone to somebody else, yeah. you know, that's what we're all about at the end of the day, isn't it? Right, Tim, and I think even in the sport we play too, you know, in, in terms of, you know, there's a, this macho-ness around it that, you know, you know, hard and fair and it's big, strong lads and it's all this, but it's, it's sometimes it's okay to be, it's not, a, I don't think it's a sign of weakness to put your hand up and say, look, mentally, I'm not right here because as I found out physically, if you have injuries, you're quick enough to, to go and get help about it. So why, why can't players um, and, and sports people, especially in these, you know, if it's soccer, Gaelic, rugby, whatever it may be, um, go and get help uh, mentally as well because at the end of the day that's where you make your decisions and you know that's 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 your biggest your biggest tool when you go to play any sport or in any walk of life to be fair 100% agrees um, <clears throat> I like I would totally agree with the whole um, cultural aspect of playing GAA and um, being expected not expected but like there is an expectation that you're, as you said, a big, strong man. And, you know, you, you try and reflect that strong personality. But, like, it's a fact of life that we do all have bad days, bad weeks, go through things. It's, yeah. an, it's an inevitability. So yeah. until more people like yourself, um, you know, speak out about their, their um, ordeals, like, then that's the only way it's going to improve. Definitely. I mean, I think for me as well, I always thought that, you know, either in terms of losing a parent, most people either will or have lost one already. So it's just sort of people go that they know sort of what's not the know, but it's just like, go oh, right. Okay. This, there's a possibility this could happen. Sometimes people just, you know, deal with it really well. And that's, you know, that's great. And you want that, but you know, a lot of times people don't and they yeah. don't deal with it at all and then it festers and it builds up and it could be a couple of years down the line where it all just comes out yeah. um, but I think just reiterating that it's just you know you hear people saying all the time around these mental health awareness days or you know world suicide prevention you know it's okay not to be okay but I always think that it should be matched with it's it's completely okay to ask for help when you need it because, and it's it's not a sign of weakness uh, in any way shape or form regardless if you're male female or where you are in the family, where you are in your family sort of tree. You know, if you're the mm. eldest son or the youngest son, eldest daughter, you don't have to take on that mantle um, of, of doing something that you, you don't have to or you don't want to. 
it's a very very good message to come out of this podcast is just what you said there Chris and if people wanted to find more of what your thought process your content um, chat to us a bit about the, the Head Health Manners page I know you've been doing great things there yeah I suppose well why that that was sort of a, an idea um, was that I suppose I came across help online you know I came across the GPA number on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and I just sort of felt that it was actually during last year with the rehab or when I get injured I was off work for a bit of pain I was just like what could I do to sort of not keep not keep this going I didn't want to just be a flash in the pan just going right here's my story and that's me away sort of thing or you know I wanted I wanted to go you know if I can you know if it's, if it's helpline numbers if it's different wee things that somebody goes do you know what I need to read that today or, or that's the number that that's a number I'm going to keep in my phone just in case because although I've always said um, and it's ironic there's, there's two fellas here too you know it's targeting males and males won't open up I think over the last couple of years, the, the people that have probably contacted me the most is the, the females in people's lives, you know, the worried mums, the worried wives, girlfriends, sisters, whatever it may be. So I think people, they're usually the warriors in people's houses or people's or in, in, our, in your relationships. So I think people always think, you know, God, that, that reminds me of our, our Jimmy or, or our John or you know, that's maybe what he needs to do or, or have a look at it. So it, there's no real plan. There's no real, like, you know, I, you know, concrete plan out of it. It's just basically, you know, if someone can take something from a shared experience um, and see that you can get help and you can come out the other side of it and live and look forward to things in your life again, then then so, then so that's all I ever want to do. Awesome. Real. Um, and... And then just on a bit of a brighter note, Chris, uh, to wrap up here, you have been making a name for yourself on Twitter. I know that Ashley is on there, but before I actually got the <laughs> in the flesh, I'd seen he was getting, uh, what was it, 30,000, 40,000 retweets and likes. Uh, I was on the... What's the I story there, big lad? I was just a bit of crack about um, people, not that I've ever done it like, um, but um, somebody, <laughs> did a, somebody, did a runner, somebody did a runner from the taxi and uh, just sort of went, only having a bit of crack. It was like a Tuesday morning, just recoded the tweet and then every time I sat my phone down, there was like another 2,000 likes or something. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, but it's only a bit of crack. Like, I think social media in general, like, you know, it gets a bad light, but I, I think it just depends on how serious you take it. Like, and I use it, I like it for a bit of crack too. Like, you know, it's, it's good, like, especially on Twitter and, you know, even just even moving moving cities uh, well Armagh is a city that could keep getting reminded but um, yeah you're right Cathedral City I, 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 the, I, the Cathedral City I think I, I might hold a record though for being uh, the best goalkeeper in two counties at the one time like so it's like a, it's like a double <laughs> <laughs> it's like a double weight world champion or something like, but, uh, <laughs> I'm doing that my big mate big Dingle he's he's he was the Armagh Harp goalkeeper early, so uh, he's our sick, he's a six hundredth follower at our page. So there you are, Mike Dingle. There's a shout out for you. <laughs> double D, double D. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here, Kerr, Chris. Sorry. Uh, just to wrap up, I'd like to say it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, really looking forward to sharing this with the audience, um, because it touches on topics that relate to all of us, and that we can all really um take something from. So. Thank you so much for joining us. And, no uh, Thanks very much for having us. Appreciate it. Boss, uh, and we can find you on Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah. At Chris Kerr, is it? Uh, Twitter is just, just at Kerr086. Like, just, 
gives away that gives away my age and then just the wee Instagram page was just that head health matters that just just touched on I suppose that was just basically you know for for however long physical health mattered to me just playing Gaelic and and you know getting yourself in shape to play Gaelic but I think in the last lot of years just came to light that you know there's, there's your head health really does matter in, in you know any walk of life so Class, class. So I'm sure anyone listening to this, Chris would love to hear from you if you've anything to say, give him a shout. Likewise for us, that is episode 16 in the books, folks. Thanks so much, Chris. Good lad, Ashin. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, folks. All right, lads. See us. Thank you.